Welcome to the Disaster Tough Podcast, where we talk about emergency management by emergency managers. We share stories, lessons, and tips to help keep you moving forward. I am John Scardina, the host. I share my experience as a former federal emergency response official who's responded to some of the most extreme disasters over the past decade. I now lead a private emergency management firm called Doberman Emergency Management, that focuses on emergency planning, mitigation, and response. This podcast is brought to you by L3 Harris. L3 Harris is an amazing company. They provide communications for first responders all over the world. They created the Beyond Push to Talk app that allows your team to communicate between mobile devices and radios through encrypted lines, which makes it so much easier for the team. Even better, they are offering the Beyond app at no cost to agencies for a limited time. You have to check it out. L3Harris.com slash responder support or click on the show notes for details. Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, John Scardina. And we've had such an excellent month this month with July. William Jackson really kicked us off with his experience talking about how he's an emergency manager in the federal government, how he's the owner of Gladiator Guns and his experience as a veteran with the 82nd Airborne. That July 4th episode was just um, really special for us. Uh, we support our veterans, and um, we're really grateful for their service um, and for our troops. And then having Cameron Stared on here as a federal emergency manager himself and um, being a response official. And then having Patrick McGinn on here, who is... Uh, one of my great friends, and um, with his experience on the national team and then his current role at the Salvation Army, all three of these men, we were able to talk about how their experiences led up to their current roles and what they're doing in their current roles. Now, we've talked a little bit about uh, my experience uh, on this show before, if you look at, you know, especially episodes one, two, and three where we talked about some of those uh, background experiences. And so I won't go into that too much besides just saying that that experience in the Red Cross and um, having a degree from Utah Valley University that really focuses on emergency response and understanding leadership versus management and a program that is credited with just pushing out so many wildland firefighters and be able to be in that same program and learning about firefighting and learning about EMS and learning about police and good Samaritan laws and uh, everything else that goes along with the uh, emergency services side and emergency administration and combining that with a degree from Georgetown, my master's in emergency and disaster management really gave me such a huge foundation um, in my career working with these different federal agencies and um, nonprofits, reaching efforts, uh, the American Red Cross, uh, which everybody should know, reaching efforts, that might be a new one for you. It's actually a 501c3 that I owned for uh, or that I uh, owned and operated for six years um, to help out with the tsunami in addition to all my other responsibilities. All of that led up to being an emergency manager in the, in the federal government. And 
Uh, maybe one day we can talk about uh, some advice if you're trying to get into emergency management or if you want to send us a message or comment on one of our social media platforms like Instagram, the Disaster Tough Podcast, or even Doberman EMG. Um, send us an email at info at dobermanemg.com, whatever. But if you want to know a little bit more about how we did that process or how I, I went through that process to get to that point in my career where we were making decisions at the national level, um, uh, send me a, uh, send me a note and we can do that. But in the meantime, what I really want everybody to focus on is, um, Doberman emergency management, right? So we talked about these other experiences from these other great men, uh, this month. And, uh, we've had other great, uh, guests on here between Mary and Rodney. And, um, we have good people coming on here in the future. So to wrap up this month, uh, being the 31st, we thought it'd be appropriate to talk about Doberman Emergency Management, how it was formed, why the name Doberman. I get that question quite a bit um, from uh, people outside of our industry. And so how do we come up with that? How do we come up with the Disaster Tough podcast? Um, we just first want to say how grateful we are that everybody has uh, started listening in. And when I say everybody, I, I really do mean I, I'm just shocked. It feels like everybody. We've had 10,000 downloads. In fact, I have this new podcast studio. We, we kind of built it out in our office. Um, we switched out a room. And so I have this cool podcast little studio with uh, these buttons. In fact, I can play uh, a cheering button for that 10,000. This is us cheering for you. Wow, didn't that sound good? Yeah, in fact, I can even fade that out. Oh my gosh, it's so good. In fact, there's all these kinds of buttons. If I make a joke and um, nobody laughs, my guests don't laugh, I can just uh, I can just play that laughter in the background. So ridiculous. But uh, in any case, again, thank you so much for everybody who's been listening into our podcast. So before we go any further, just want to get that out there. Um, thank you again. And if you are listening and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe and give us that five-star rating, uh, of course, that, uh, that we love. Uh, in any case, so going back to kind of the story of, you know, community-based Red Cross efforts, 501c3 with reaching efforts, um, degrees, and this process that we went through, responding to, to disasters, not only from a planning perspective and a background perspective, but also in operations now and, and seeing that um, up close and personal, whether it's uh, a man-made um, act like potential terrorism or um, even uh, a man-made accident, those hazmat incidents, right? Uh, to large-scale natural disasters, as we've noted several times on this uh, this podcast alone, myself and my team, uh, the people that we put together at Doberman, I mean, every major disaster that has hit the United States, um, we have experience in, and we have a lot of training uh, in our professional career and through volunteer experience and through... Um, you know, all these different areas where we were able to combine um, expertise uh, following that, you know, that method of 10,000 hours. Um, and so thinking about that and thinking about what we could do, um, several years ago I was in a tornado response. And this is how Doberman was formed. So that was a good transition, right? 
several years ago, I was in a tornado response in Georgia, and I was thinking about uh, my career and um, thinking about the experiences I've learned doing community outreach in in volunteer opportunities and uh, in my internship and working as the disaster committee chair at Red Cross for our region and responding to just crazy disasters all the time and thinking about uh, those vulnerable populations. The vulnerable populations um, that were still vulnerable even after we went in there because they didn't have, again, that training or that experience on their own to handle disaster. I think Patrick McGinn talked about that in part one, maybe it was in part two of his episode where he talked about going back to uh, a town that had been hit uh, by a tornado within 20 years and they still hadn't mitigated um, that threat by building you know, better homes with basements underground and that kind of stuff and um, how that was impactful for him. And I, I had seen that time and time again where our communities weren't prepared. And especially after seeing the man-made stuff, I wanted people to be better prepared. So sitting in this hotel room thinking about that and thinking about the next step of my career and thinking about what position I would want to apply for, whether it's at a university or through a a corporation, um, you know, being the emergency manager for, you know, um, World Trade Center, that kind of stuff. Um, where, Where do I go? And the thought came into me, to my mind is I, I know all the right people to pull into a room to be experts. All these great men and women that I've met throughout my career. And I thought, I bet I could do, with their help, a pretty good job in um, moving together a company that would do these kinds of things, write emergency plans. Now, what we, what we did with Doberman... Um, in fact, let me let me address this real quick. Why Doberman? Well, I was in that same hotel room, and I was thinking about, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can pull in the right people, and uh, we can do good work. And I started thinking about building a business, and um, I, I strangely thought about Apple because Apple is an amazing company. They really are. They've done, uh, in terms of... Uh, a company's growth and their their status and their brand loyalty and the things that they're able to push out. They've done an excellent job of building that brand. But their name is Apple, and they do computers. So I really thought, oh, I can name my company anything I want. If a company that does computers is named Apple, then I can do whatever I want. And so I kind of had some, uh, you know, I did like what the normal entrepreneur does is try to come up with acronyms or fun words or whatever first. But then I really started to think about that group of people that I wanted to pull in here. And I thought about how having the right people in the room to build plans, to do response, to provide training, what they really provide is safety and security. What they really provide is a way to mitigate disasters through their help. And I thought, what's an image of safety and security? I wasn't going to use the United States flag, right? That's kind of a weird name for a business. But what we use in search and rescue, what our partners do in, in, um, in that side of the house, is they use Dobermans. 
And I like the name the Doberman. I like the name that sounds, right? Doberman. It's easy to remember. It has a, a great connotation of safety and security because that's what they're used for. They're highly intelligent dogs. And um, I want the people that we train, the people that we use, to have good situational awareness. And these dogs have excellent situational awareness. So that's how we came up with the name Doberman emergency management group well i wanted to get a group of excellent emergency managers in the in the room and so doberman emg is is how we form that every emergency manager learns these lessons of what plans to write and in dc i learned that every single emergency manager needs to know how to write an occupant emergency plan oep so you should write this down or go to our transcript that we're going to put on our website, DobermanEMG.com. But every emergency manager needs to look at uh, that OEP, an emergency operations plan, EOP. They need to know how to conduct, especially know how to put the data in there for a hazard vulnerability assessment, HVA. Need to do a hazard mitigation plan. A lot of counties, in fact, every county needs to know how to do that. Um, but there's the other way you could say is a, a Thyra Threats Hazard Identification Risk Assessment. And then uh, a continuity of operations plan, a COOP plan. Um, by the way, the COOP, the last OP in op- continuity of operations plan, the P does not stand for plan. It stands for the P in operations. That's why it's a COOP plan. Um, it's not like ATM machine. The M is redundant, right? So it's, you're actually saying machine, machine, right? So anyways, uh, COOP plans uh, those are those five documents. Those are those are what you, what you want. That's what you, you have to have. So if you don't know how to do that, you don't know how to build those. You don't know how to conduct those. You don't know what goes into those. You should fix that problem immediately. In any case, uh, looking back uh, at that at that time, I started putting the documents together. I started putting everything together, and. Um, I was still responding to disasters and thinking about this more and starting to talk to people. As several of you know, I I left the national team with this idea that I was going to do this. And um, you fast forward and my son was born and I was thinking if I'm going to tell him he can do anything, I know it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. I uh, I was standing in the bathroom holding my son it was actually like the sink area. It's not that weird. I was thinking about, I want to be able to tell him he can do anything he wants. And then I thought, I need to do this business. I've led my entire career after chasing new things from community level, emergency response, humanitarian aid, outreach, to becoming emergency operations planner in D.C., to a major career shift doing GIS, geospatial intelligence, and gaining that ability to appreciate data and how much emergency managers need to know data and why that's lacking in our field and how to to overcome those issues and learning about drones and starting the first drone program and all these other, like, you know, quote-unquote big check marks in my career where I feel like I, I was able to step out of my comfort zone. I thought... I need to do this. And so I contacted several emergency managers who I trust and said, hey, how would you like to to, to work with us in this uh, project, in this company I want to start? And after hearing a really good response and 
um, a huge boost to confidence from Rodney. As uh, you guys know, I, I, I love the guy. Um, he really is a mentor. In fact, I had told him in Georgia the next day that I was thinking about starting this business, my boss, and he was totally cool with it. So fast forward, you know, what, two years, um, he, he, he retired from the federal government and he's, he helps us out. He's a mentor for us where we write the occupant emergency plan, the emergency operations plans, the, the hazard vulnerability assessments, the hazard mitigation plans with Thyrus, all those different documents he can help us out on. With my experience in data and working with data and getting information to people that they need, now we're starting to, to, to build, and I'm pulling in other emergency managers who I highly respect. I mean, these men and women who do great jobs. And, and there's and they're given fields from paramedic we have a um, we have an opportunity to help a lot of people through highly experienced emergency managers and uh, help people uh, you guys heard Mary Mary Kent who is on uh, this podcast talking about human trafficking I mean talk about uh, somebody who's dedicated their career towards the most vulnerable population on the face of the earth the most vulnerable population on earth are children who are sex trafficked. My mind will never change on that. You're talking about 11-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 4-year-olds, children who have been raped 30 times a day. I mean, talk about heavy stuff. Anyway, so to have Mary on here and to be able to help train first responders in, in victim advocacy training and help these children who uh, are are survivors of this is just just incredible. So anyways, we, ha- we have a good group of people. I am so grateful that we did this. We started, we went full-time, and we're a company that focuses on training, and specifically in-person training, those active shooter awareness trainings or uh, victim advocacy training or your standard first aid, uh, emergency first aid, you know, uh, wilderness survival, those level of trainings are all in person. Coronavirus hit, and as an emergency manager, thank goodness we are all highly trained in trying to adjust and working with the disaster because this really has been pretty tough. And we want to be disaster tough. So we keep moving forward. And so if we can't meet with people, if we can't get out to those presentations to show the excellent work we're doing, I mean, you think about it. You think about a group of people who are not just exceptional in what they do, but they are highly trained. They're highly experienced in response and preparation, and they can write these amazing plans and do this amazing training. And, uh, you know, having the unique background that I have with understanding that data as well as operations, as well as that community-level outreach and training hundreds of emergency managers myself, we're able to combine uh, these plans. And so at first we, were, we thought we could sustain ourselves by, by doing these emergency plans that other companies are doing. I mean, quite frankly, we didn't think we were going to break out of that mold. We just recognized that there are so many communities out there who need this help and they're not getting it. So we wanted to be able to get in there and help them. We wanted to be able to get into these offices. We wanted to be able to get into these schools. We want to be able to get into these counties and provide them 
excellent plans, excellent training, uh, work with states and do, um, you know, preliminary damage assessment with our drones. Anyways, so we, we thought we could kind of meet the mold there and, and head in, and then we've realized that everybody, I mean, literally everybody we've talked to is like, whatever you're doing, keep doing that because it's not cookie cutter. We've talked before on this uh, podcast about reviewing a plan, how they half their, half their plan was definitions. Uh, Okay. Like they had a thing about there about volcanoes. Well, the community that they're helping out, there wasn't a volcano for thousands of miles. And so unless they're worried about specifically agriculture and the, you know, temperature around the earth for 10 years, lowering, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's temp, which impacts crops, which it wasn't by the way. Uh, it, it just becomes a brick at that point. It becomes a giant doorstop, 2000 page, do- page doorstop. And so, uh, uh, lo and behold, we are emerging as this elite company that can do everything. Emergency management. We can provide data backed solutions and we take pride in that. So if you're an emergency manager and I'm, I'm those plans that I've been calling out, if you don't have those plans, if you don't know how to do those plans, or even if you do, I mean, when I was in DC, we just didn't have the staff. We didn't have the resources to be able to do everything that we needed to do for a federal agency. And so we would contract that out. And so this is a pitch, right? If you're listening and you're like, wait, I'm, I'm work at the state and I recognize our situational awareness is pretty low for preliminary damage assessments. This guy just said he can get a drone out there and do it because he did it for the federal government. In fact, I started the federal government's first tactical level drone program specifically related to uh, preliminary damage assessments. And we saw great things there and now it's becoming you know, standard operating procedure, as you're probably aware if you're working in a state in a large-scale disaster. So if if you're looking at these capabilities and you want these capabilities, send us an email, info at DobermanEMG.com. Ask us for help. We have great people. So that's a little bit about Doberman Emergency Management. Things are crazy right now. Um, in-person training not happening. Uh, when everybody's in a disaster, not a lot of people are thinking about pre-disaster planning, which is sad because every disaster right now is a dual threat disaster. Every single disaster right now is dual threat. You have coronavirus and you have hurricanes and you have wildfires and you have, you know, mass flooding events and you have, you know, just it, it, it builds And why not use a company where the owner and several members of the management team responded to Ebola? People who are public health experts who know how to do this, who did an excellent job in Ebola. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm really proud of the work that was done during that response. And so if you're looking at what to do, get involved with Doberman Emergency Management, you can always go to our website, DobermanEMG.com, to learn more about what we do and who our team is and some of those planning and training. 
one training that we're really proud of is that active shooter awareness training. I've had members of Team Rubicon come to our training. I've had uh, people from Salvation Army there. We've had people from um, state agencies uh, who are um, incident commanders for um, their, their tiered groups. And without fail, they keep on saying it's the best training they've ever had. It is because the training was developed by people with experience. And here's that here's that one and one more thing, right? If we're talking about Apple. One more thing. I don't know how he does it. Um and we have the data. We appreciate data. And so we don't go in there with, hey, this is what we think this is what happened. We can go in there and we say, Hey, did you know the FBI was collecting data on this for the last eighteen years? And this is what they said. This is the, the, the rate of change of how many active shooter events ha- happen there. Hey, did you know this is what the Journal of Clinical Psychology said about active shooters? Uh, we go in there and we actually teach them that, go through that whole process, not just to run, hide, fight, but what that means. That doesn't really even articulate what you're supposed to do. I, in fact, talking with the facilities manager at one of the, the buildings I used to work at, he was like, yeah, you know, this is good enough for run, hide, fight. And I said, you know, run, hide, fight has more to do than run, run, hide, fight, right? He goes, what are you talking about? That's like, that's what's on the card. Man, talk about a lesson learned. So years later, when we're teaching this now, we really dive into to those principles. That's where that came from. Where did the Disaster Tough podcast come from? Well, when we couldn't reach out this year, uh, because of co- coronavirus, we couldn't tell people in person. We couldn't put on displays saying, hey, this is what we offer. But we also just wanted to get out there and do community outreach, and we wanted to be able to help out, and we couldn't do any of those activities. We are a for-profit organization, and yet be, with with being humanitarians and having so much background in disaster relief and nonprofit work, we are a for-profit company that deeply cares about community outreach and free information and providing that that advice out there. And so if you've listened to this podcast, that should be very obvious. We have given, I mean, even on this episode, I told you all the plans that you need to be able to do. Every single one of those plans you have to have. You have to be excellent at writing those plans and providing those plans. So Doberman Emergency Management, we thought about it, and Disaster Tough Podcast. The name came from our mantra. We want to be disaster tough. We are disaster tough. Tough doesn't mean mean or rude or insensitive. Tough is just a better word than resiliency. Resiliency doesn't include mitigation. Any emergency manager who operates without the goal of mitigation, who wants to reduce the threat, they're not doing their job, right? So resiliency is about bouncing back. The definition doesn't really make sense, but we all try to use it like resilient communities. Well, I I don't want to just be resilient. I want to be tough. I, I want to be able to look at the face of a hurricane and know that we've done absolutely everything possible to mitigate. And during response, we're going to do everything possible to eliminate the loss of life, reduce the loss of life, and then we're going to get people back on their feet as fast as humanly possible. Now, you might be saying that's resiliency, but we don't want to deal with the impacts of a hurricane. A tornado isn't a disaster until it impacts people's homes, right? 
flooding isn't a disaster and until it impacts, impacts people's homes or critical infrastructure or any other um, major component to human life. We should be working with our environment more. We should, we, we, we should be mitigating as much as possible. So we want you to be tough. We want you to be mentally tough, um, not bounce back after a breakdown. But we don't want you to have that breakdown. We want you to be able to mitigate those breakdowns by talking with other emergency managers, by seeking and understanding mental health as a normal thing. I've talked about it on every single podcast episode because you have to be able to address that. So Disaster Tough Podcast came from that. It came from that mantra and that idea and the idea to give free advice and to help people out uh, without hesitation. And so if you've been liking this podcast, which we're on number 16 now, uh, we have a lot more coming up. We want to have experts keep coming on here and talk about their experiences, talk about how they got here like William Jackson like Patrick McGinn, like Rodney Melsick, like Mary Kent, like Cameron Starrett. And hopefully you've seen myself as highly competent as well in this industry. And if you want to know more, keep coming back. When you subscribe and when you download and when you give us that five-star rating, it allows us to go out to other emergency managers, even people who are related to this field. We want to have hospital administrators on here, especially with COVID and hearing what they're doing. We want to talk to um, researchers. Uh, I think we have a researcher coming up who's researching drones. I mean, how fascinating is that? Between military and healthcare and traditional emergency planners and people who are operators, not just in the operations section because you're actually not operators, but we're talking about like people who actually mitigate terrorism. We want those people on here. We want to hear those experiences, and we want to learn about about success from successful people. And when I talk about success in emergency management, I'm talking about saving lives and sustaining life. If you care about sustaining life or you care about saving lives, this is an excellent podcast. I'm so grateful for the people who have come on here. We're so grateful for the 10,000 downloads. I'm going to do that cheering thing again. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, everybody. Seriously. Is that a stupid joke? <laughs> oh, people are laughing again, so that's good. Um, seriously, though, if it, thank you for coming on here and listening with us. Send us those comments. Keep sending us those emails. Uh, we really appreciate that. And if you have an idea for an episode or you have a comment about this one or any other episode you listen to, hey, Send it out publicly on social media or send us an email privately and we'll see how we can help out because we do want to help out our field. I'm going to end this podcast the same way I end every podcast. If you had a good time, if you liked it, give us that five-star rating and subscribe. It helps great people to keep coming back on here. Thank you again for listening. Send us a message at info at DobermanEMG.com. Again, that's info at DobermanEMG.com. 